2: You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
3: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co host, Dylan Ray. Uh, we are, this one, we are live from the ATA show in Louisville, Kentucky, and we have a uh, traditional archer with us today, uh, Chris Perino, and Chris, welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys asking me to be on.
3: Absolutely. I know uh, when when we start talking traditional archery, you know, your name is always in that conversation and uh, might be because Dylan's always the one saying it, so... <laughs>
2: No, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've, I, and I said this on a couple podcasts ago when we had Tom Clum. I probably made Tom Clum mad because I'd call him with so many questions, and Chris Perino was the other guy I would call. Like, if I had a question, it was Chris and Tom. I'd call him and say, hey, I need your help. Yeah. And so he probably got, like, got tired of my phone, my name popping up on his phone. And that's a lot of calls because you sometimes <laughs> got, need a lot of help. I had a lot of questions, but uh, if you're going to learn how to shoot a trad bow, why not learn from the best the best
3: yeah so how did you get started with archery in the beginning and then what took you did you start with trad or did you kind of go towards that
0: i mean truthfully in the very beginning i i did it because it was my only alternative to hunt like my dad wouldn't let me go gun hunting he didn't he wasn't a hunter he didn't hunt but you know he just kind of felt that the turning a 14 year old with loose with a shotgun in the woods probably wasn't a probably wasn't a good situation but now i I wanted to hunt you know when i was younger and my dad was definitely more than willing to take me and i you know i had a lot of good times with him He, he he did everything he could do to get me out there and and we would go up to some state parks in illinois and hunt pretty much public ground and uh, that's kind of where it started. Uh, I, yeah, I probably would have, if if I would have, probably could have went down another road pretty easily, but that's kind of where it started. And I, you know, was fortunate to m- meet up with some guys that kind of took me under their wing and, you know, showed me kind of what was going on, and I saw them have some success. So, you know, I wasn't totally dejected that I couldn't get it done. It took a while, like it was yeah. – uh, definitely four or five years before i before i shot my first deer and so there was definitely a learning curve there but that's kind of
3: what was your first deer
0: first deer was a doe i shot actually i shot when i started i shot uh, i started bow hunting uh, and that was with a compound and then i shot a doe i shot a doe like my fifth year and that was the first deer i took was a doe with a with a compound and i shot a little six pointer the next year with a compound and then after that i switched over and pretty much been shooting recurves
2: ever since you shot so, a, you shot a two point with eye guards apparently <laughs> we've had this whole argument all week uh, long. all week long because jason's from oregon where they say everything's stupid and he's like no it's not a six point it's a two point with eye guards i'm like no that's called a six point it's got six points and he's like well not in oregon i'm like we're not in oregon we're in kentucky
3: well, what if what if you have you know like five on one side and one on the other? That's not a one by five. That's just, just a six, six point. point. So it's exactly the same as a three by three. All right.
0: Well, this this you know I mean not to get you in any other kind of discussion, but this technically had no arm eye guard, so <laughs> probably was a three by three. It was know. just a three by three.
2: <laughs> so then Jason, but he would even call him, like we would talk bow hunting, and he'd say, "Yeah, I shot a three point," and I'm like, "A three point? So you know, forky on one side, a spike on the other?" He's like, "No." It was a three on a three by three, and I'm like, so a six point, it's not a three point. Like, I don't they're crazy.
3: We just like to give a little more information. Instead of just, you know, like one <laughs> yeah. number, we like to give, you know, multiple points of relative contact. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So so you know, what was your what was your thinking when it took you four years to connect with your first first animal with a compound? Then you connect, and then you're like, you know what? It took me four years to connect. This is just too easy. I want to challenge myself even further and go with a recurve.
0: Well, I, in my case, the guys that I, I felt like I was, like I was putting myself in a position to be more successful going to a recurve, and that was mostly due to the guys that I was hanging out with, like the guys that there were some guys in the area that were extremely successful with recurves and you know they always seemed to come up with deer they did a lot of hunting and they were just really really what i considered at the time to be successful at it so i didn't really look at the recurve as being a hindrance i looked at it as something that was um you know going to put me in a position that was going to be more and but you know you got to remember back then um the compounds i mean this is back in the 80s so the compounds were they're not the compounds are today, today are not yeah. what they are you know back in the 80s that's just you know to so you know back then if you shot 30 40 yards with the compound man that was that was really stretching it out there
3: yeah yeah my first compound was it was an 80 pound golden eagle it had I got it because well, a the price was right and it had those recurved limbs. I thought it looked cool. Yeah, and that thing I shot the twenty two nineteen arrows, and it had an arc, a, a approximately the same arc as what you would see in like a rainbow. It was there. There was a pretty big, pretty big arc on that one, even at eighty pounds. And the bows today, you see them people shooting forty pounds, and and it's a relatively flat trajectory, even compared to that one.
0: Well, there's there's no question that the equipment has has definitely advanced, and you probably could debate good ways and bad ways. Truthfully, yeah.
3: it's a, we're the Pope and Young Club, so it's we have not always embraced new technology, but we're doing our best to to keep people, uh, you know, to include folks and and make them all part of the Pope and Young family so what was your first recurve
0: first recurve was actually a bear um super kodiak that i bought Um, i was working up in chicago i'd got out of trade school and i was working up in chicago and one night i went into a archery shop there in chicago and i can remember i i went in and my intention really wasn't to buy anything i was just kind of in there killing time i was you know up there living by myself and i just went in and uh when i got it was an old art i mean the shop had been around for a long time and when i went in it was just a really i can still remember it it was like a two-story the lanes were on the above the shop and when you went in the shop the guy that owned it was was an older fellow. I mean, of course, I was 19, so, you yeah. know, if he was 40, he was older to me. But, <laughs> but he was older, and he had done done quite a bit of stuff, obviously, and had a ton of black and white pictures on the walls. So there was all these pictures of Fred Bear and just different just – and I, I like that stuff anyway. Like, yeah. I always – you know, that's something that's interesting to me. So I spent – literally two or three hours just looking at all the pictures and looking at the stuff at the wall and and ended up striking up a conversation with the guy that owned the shop and he was telling me he hunted with fred bear and he did this and up in wisconsin and these old stories and i was just taking it i mean i was was interested to begin with but to have somebody that actually did some of that stuff with fred bear was absolutely super interesting and uh when i walked out i walked out and put whatever little money i had in my pocket down on a a bear super kodiak and i think i went in the next week and and brought it home and yeah that was the first first recurve that i bought and paid for and actually the first recurve i shot a doe with uh don't know if it was that hunting season or the next but that was a first deer I killed with a recurve.
3: So, so you went from buying a recurve from a guy who'd hunted with Fred Bear to literally having your name in the record book right next to Fred Bear. Well,
0: I, that wasn't like just the next day; like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of time, a little passed bit of a journey that. there. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, and when he says "right next," like literally, what was it one sixteenth of an inch? So you're yeah, literally right below Fred. I mean, that, that was, a grizzly, right yeah, that was okay. a grizzly bear. Yeah, it was a grizzly bear what's your most memorable hunt ever
0: i would have to say the you know i did a brown bear hunt in alaska that was probably the most exciting or the you know one of the ones that was the most memorable but quite honestly all the all the hunts i've done have are all pretty special you know if, i mean when you're hunting with a recurve you're obviously limiting limiting yourself so when you are successful you you tend to remember that success oh absolutely
2: um jason likes to ask this question if you had to pick one species to hunt for the rest of your life you could only hunt that species what would it be
0: well if my pocketbook would allow it it'd be, <laughs> it'd be grizzly bears but really? yeah well, that's you know, I mean, I like all predators. I don't get to to hunt them as as much as I'd like to. But lions, mountain lions. I mean, predators are just fun to hunt to me. That, yeah, that's
3: that was John John Fossil when he came on. That was his thing. He loves you know everything from the big bears to the big cats, and and he he that that is just his thing too. He just really enjoys that.
0: Well, there's just a different element in it. It's not for, you know, we all go to theme parks and get on a roller coaster and ride a roller post coaster and, you know, jump out of a skydive, out of air. I mean, a lot of people do a lot of things that are kind of thrill-seeking yeah. adventures. And when you're bow hunting, I mean, it's extremely, you don't forget being 12 yards from a grizzly bear. Like, it just doesn't. Oh, you yeah. Don't forget it.
3: Especially when he's wounded and you did it.
0: Well, I never, I, on my grizzly bear hunts, I pretty much had in my mind when I went on them that I was not, I was not taking a shot that I, I wasn't taking a shot at a bear that knew I was there. Like if I got, if I got within 20 yards of a grizzly bear and it, I I just, I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to, there's, there's. I mean, once you wound them, then everything changes. And if they if they associate you with their pain,
3: It's not a spot you want to find yeah, yourself in. It's
0: it's just now if you get that close. To, I mean, I've been close to grizzly bears, trying to stalk on them and and get close to them. And and they're I don't want to say they're each bear is different. Obviously, the the younger bears can be a little bit. I mean, you can have cantankerous bears, but they. In general, they don't want to be close to you either so
3: they turn around and go so when you're grizzly hunting tell, tell us about you know for those folks listening that have never been on a grizzly hunt tell us about how a typical grizzly hunt goes for you how do you how do you go from hmm i'm gonna go grizzly hunting to i'm 12 yards from the apex predator in this region
0: well the honest answer to that would be you dream about it and you want to go on it and then when you actually stand there and do it you think you're the stupidest person in the world so it's a it's it's quite a change like you can be really excited about going on the hunt and think about it and think about everything that's going to happen and and that is good that's part of it part of it is trying to Put yourself in that position, but when you actually get in that position it becomes a different uh a different scenario. It's it's it becomes real real at twelve yards when you're sitting on your couch booking the plane flights and getting everything
3: I'd say it'd be real at like fifty yards. Twelve yards it's a little bit, it's like ultra real. I'm not what I'm not sure what that would be. It was we had uh, a few years ago at Omaha, um I was talking to some folks in, and we had uh, Donald Trump Jr. was our keynote speaker, and a couple of our guys were leaving to go bear hunting right after that convention it was in April, and they're headed up for spring bears. And so I asked him, I said, "Hey, are you gonna you gonna go use a bow on on your? I guess that was a brown bear hunt." But he says, "Are, are you gonna use a bow?" And he's like, "Yeah, no, I, I think I I don't need to be quite that close to him." And I think that would be me. I twelve yards is pretty close to a predator that size.
0: Well, that's, again, it's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Of course, the agony of defeat in those situations can be pretty serious. But I, th- I think anybody that's that's done that, or I mean, whether it's big cats or grizzly bears or any predators that you, you have a chance of, you know, them attacking you or coming after you or not, you know, most animals flee when you shoot them, but. The you know, ones that don't flee, it, it it's a there's a different element of of excitement there, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's that's really what it was. I mean, it's, we uh,
2: we had dinner. Um, was it Friday night? I don't know if you said this. We're at ATA right now. We are at ATA uh, in the in the Faradine room. So shout out to Faradine Furniture. Yeah, but, shout
3: out to our corporate partners.
2: Um, we were with Jack Frost at dinner, and I uh, was asking Jack, you know, what's up next for you. And he said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt a mountain lion, and I'm gonna do it without dogs with my bow." We're like, "Good Lord!" So not only is that one of the hardest hunts I maybe ever have heard of, but that's tricky. You're you're stalking lion tracks through the snow, trying to find a lion. Like, so you're literally stalking an animal that's gonna turn around and kill you if it wants. And uh, yeah, it'd not only be difficult but scary.
3: Yeah. So so on a grizzly hunt, so tell us about. Tell us about that hunt. Is this spot and stock? Is this setting up ambush locations? Tell us how you're hunting these guys.
0: Most of the bears I hunted in British Columbia were all spot and stock on um, berry patches up in uh, the mountains. So we'd fly up and go to backpack into old burns where they burned, uh, you know, there was an old forest fire or something and the, um, the blueberries would come up in there and the bears would, come in there and it just congregate them in there that time of year you know to eat which was the fall you know they're getting okay. fat for the spring the ones the bears i've hunted in alaska were on salmon streams okay so it's all kind of food stores but it's all the blueberry hunting them high in the in the mountains and the, on the blueberry patches the spot and stalk the the um ones i hunted in alaska on the streams was somewhat spot and stalk i mean we would go sit up in areas that that um you know the bears were feeding and and in there you know feeding for the fish and but you ended up doing a little spotting and stalking on that like you kind of so we'd set up and watch a stretch of river or, or certain areas just for them to come out and when they come out you know we try to make moves on them so mm. yeah we're probably both spot and stalk hunts one you okay. did a little more the fish one we'd uh fish streams and rivers that we hunted were a little more you know sit and wait until they come out and start feeding of course alaska is a little different alaska is extremely a lot of vegetation a lot you can't where we were hunting along the coast usually was pretty dense like once you got into the timber and were those
3: grizzlies or were those browns
0: well i the grizzly i think a grizzly bear and a brown bear are basically the same bear and i i know like i mean if you that i don't know what parallel it is up there's a parallel that shoots through alaska and everything south of that is is would be a brown bear and everything north of that's a grizzly and, and then that goes down to i believe where the alaska and british columbia border meets i mean if you you can you can hunt the coast of British Columbia and everything's grizzly bears, right? Gotcha. And there's so the basically it's a location
3: okay.
0: variation, and I believe I believe that a hundred miles in, I guess anything within a hundred miles of the coast in is considered a brown bear, and you know after that it's considered a grizzly. Okay. But then a south, you know, if you go south, north and south that again the coast along British Columbia it's all they're all grizzly bears. Now okay. if I'm
2: if I'm right and Chris you probably know better. Basically they reclassified those because the browns were getting so much bigger that although it be the same bear because of location they just grew so much bigger is that?
0: Well, I think I I th- think I don't know. It's just it's just my thoughts, but I believe it's all in what they have to eat. Like, oh yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The bears on the coast get all the fish and yeah. and obviously become you know fatter, bigger bears. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's just what I've heard, and and you know I think it's one of those deals where uh, different strokes for different folks. You hear different answers, but from from my understanding, that's you described it perfectly. Um, the hundred mile radius or whatever, but basically the browns were just getting so much bigger that they wanted some different way to classify them. But it, it does all just come down to location and where they're at. Um, have you completed the the all twenty nine?
0: No, I'm I'm nowhere near, nor will probably ever get to the North America. I've never 29.
2: heard you talk about that being a goal, but I just didn't know if it was already a done deal. No, or, or not, I, so.
0: I. If I was gonna shoot for that goal, I probably should have laid off the grizzly bears years ago. <laughs> but I just kept going back. I mean, that was the one, kind of the one animal that 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 i was interested in doing never thought i was going to get to do it and when i did the first hunt i i had so much it was just so much fun i i i want to say i i hunted in 2003 in british columbia and then 2004 in alaska and 2005 back in british columbia and then 2006 and 2000 like there was like year after year pretty was, good
3: string of grizzlies. yeah hunts. i
0: was just just constantly that's those were the hunts i was booking nice
3: now have you noticed we were talking to somebody the other day and they were telling us that they noticed a difference in the i don't know aggressiveness of bears they said that that the the grizzlies especially the interiors who were out kind of making it happen and and hunting down food tended to be a little more aggressive than some of the brown bears that were on the salmon streams oh
0: absolutely i think that gets back to the the bears on the coast they're kind of fat dumb and happy just because the food's so plentiful okay you get the you get the bears up in the mountains that are you know they're kind of rummaging and scraping and and they're
3: chasing down elk calves and everything yeah i
0: mean i believe I would think that it probably takes a lot of food to keep a keep a bear happy yeah. from day to day. So the ones, again, the ones at the coast. I mean, when the salmon are running, it's uh you know, it's almost a uh, like shooting fish out of the pond. I mean, they just go grab a fish and eat it, and grab and, you know, just yeah. get as much as they want. So, so yeah, I think that uh, the the bears that are having to forage a little more are definitely going to be more ag- aggressive. And a lot of times the Younger bears are usually the most, the younger males are usually the most aggressive. Um, uh, you know, I've always likened it to a, you know, a younger guy. I mean, when you get out of school and you're, you know, you're 16, 25, you know, and that age, you know, you're bulletproof, you know, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to Or you think you are. Yeah, 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 you think. And then as you get older, you start learning some things. But I think the bears are a lot the same way. Those younger bears are just, can be a little belligerent. Um, you know, you get that three- to eight-year-old class bear, and then when they get older, they're pretty much doing their thing. I mean, they're definitely – the older ones do not – they don't tolerate much, but the younger bears are probably the ones that are a little more unpredictable, I guess.
3: Okay. And so what, what size – you know, how big are these bears?
0: Size, to, to me, never – obviously i wanted to shoot a as big an animal as i could get on but shooting grizzly bears i truthfully if it was a legal bear i was totally happy with it because it didn't a hundred pound bear kill you as fast as a three thousand pound bear it just doesn't i mean it, that they're they're so powerful they're so fast and so the age didn't okay much make a difference to me as far as size but you know i mean i obviously i wanted to shoot a I think they're you know the, the two three year old would be pretty much a cub, but you know you get four or older and that's a, would be a legal matured bear.
3: So the one that you put in the books that was
0: what in the top?
3: Do you remember what number it was? It's way it's the ways up there in the trad book.
0: As far as skull size, I shot two grizzly bears in British Columbia and they both went in, and in one in Alaska. But I mean, none of my bears were in that 24 25 inch range of all mine were in the i think 22 and okay. 22 and some change were my biggest so i shot a brown bear that was 22 something and what's well, a, my biggest grizzly was right around 22
3: something what's a bear like that weigh? you think
0: man i i i would say six 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 fifty seven hundred pounds maybe okay. i I know I couldn't pick them up, and that was when I was young and bulletproof. I still couldn't move them, but that's uh, bears are bears are a little bit deceiving, and it's I believe it's because they're they're you know they have four or five inches of fur, so when they're they look can look a little bit bigger than they are.
2: Okay. Yeah, I remember uh, I went on a bear hunt, um, not last year, I guess twenty twenty. And, uh, you know, you're sitting there watching them in the woods and you're like, crap, dude, these are huge. And so I shot one that I thought to be a pretty good bear. And, you know, I'd never bear hunted before, but thought it was a pretty good bear and, and get back to get, and these are black bears in Maine. So nothing like what you're hunting. And uh, I thought it was a great bear. Put it up on the scale. And he's like 225. And I'm like, God, I look so much bigger than that. Like I've had dogs that weigh that much.
0: Well, two, to- I mean, when black bears especially i mean a 225 pound it's not a it's not a bad bear especially maine and you know you get up in quebec and and maine and new brunswick and areas like that that's not a i mean i would i would personally a 200 to 250 pound black bears most likely an average bear i mean getting up into a three four hundred pound black bear those that's that's a really big bear
3: i mean yeah. you well, I think that's. I think bear sizes tend to be a, a lot like fish or a lot like antlers before they're scored. I think everybody thinks it's a 400 pound bear until they throw it on the scales and it's 228.
2: Well, it's just one of those things. Like, like Chris said, you see them and they look that much bigger all around. Yeah. And then you get to them, like, and you put your hands on them, your hands go four inches in. You know, it's just like, man, still a good bear, and I'm very proud of it. It's it's going to be be a, a three quarter mount on my wall, and I'm excited to get it back but um i was very happy with the bear it's just like god i would have i would have guessed you know 100 pounds 150 pounds more than i did guess just because of all the fur
0: well they're again they are most likely probably the hardest animal to judge if you haven't seen a lot of them like once you start looking at them and comparing them and you know one the more you see, the better you get at judging them, but they definitely can be deceiving. Like when a bear shows up and you just out of the blue, first one you've ever seen. Yeah. I think they're very intimidating to people and you just think
2: Back on yeah. the back on the fur, I got one question for you. Very difficult I help encamp that week track, you know, probably four or five bears, very difficult to blood trail. Uh just because all the all the fur seems to just soak it up, you know, as it's as it's leaving, so any any advice on blood trailing bears
0: yeah my advice would be shoot them good and don't blood trail them <laughs> like I, don't, I think i don't think my experience is bears are extremely easy animals to to kill like and when i say that as their hide is fairly thin i mean their their fur is thick their body structure the bone mass is you know there there is some tough areas in, up in the front shoulder but if you you have that quartering away shot a bear is it's i, I think it's easier to get into the lung cavity of a of a bear than it is a, a white tail or elk or really? moose or anything okay. like that i mean a moose is you know the the hide is shoot a quarter inch thick you know i mean they their hide is actually super a bear has a lot of fur but the hide is is thin okay so so getting an arrow to get into kill zone on a bear is is a lot easier i think than most people think it's just the placement i mean obviously you know with any animal arrow placement is is the key so you know an arrow that's quarter if you've got a bear quartering away and you're shooting You know, from the last rib up, it's very, very easy to do. So, and and bears don't, from my experience, bears do not, they're very tough. They don't want to be, you know, wounding them is definitely not a good idea. Yeah. But they tend to give up the ghost a little bit easier than other animals. I've seen white-tailed deer. I've seen elk. I've seen other animals that are much tougher on pretty much the same hit so
2: well i I got lucky mine went uh, probably 40 yards and, and died but uh you know some of those guys that shot them with frankly, shot them with rifles i mean they went forever and you're like man and you're tracking blood and there's nothing there and sure enough the bear's piled up but you just can't find any blood period
0: well my view on my view on that and i have no scientific data to back it up but when you shoot a bear again I, I was never in, my mindset was to never shoot a grizzly bear that look was looking at me, smelled me, was, knew that I absolutely knew I was there. Um, and what I think happens, and again, this is strictly my opinion. My opinion is that they don't, the bows are so quiet, especially the recurves. I mean, my recurve is, is extremely quiet they don't exactly know what happens like you shoot them and and especially a well-placed arrow in the lungs they 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 know something happens happened they just can't don't really know what it is whereas when you shoot them with a gun the minute that gun goes off they know so the minute that happens my
3: Adrenaline. Yeah,
0: I feel like that the adrenaline gets shot into their system, and that's, I think that's what's, that's what's driving them. Like they are, pretty much going on straight adrenaline, and I think the adrenaline is so strong, or so powerful that it just like they they can be dead. They're just
3: still still getting a little bit away. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean that's been. The experience i've had i've had bears that literally don't make it five seconds after i hit them like,
3: so now on the other side of the adrenaline spectrum how, how does it affect you do you get the little bit of the shakes when you're drawn back on a bear at 12 yards
0: well absolutely 100 100 I mean, yes and uh and that's that's kind of the goal on that hunt is to put yourself in that position and get that you know that excitement because you don't ever forget it i mean those are I mean if you shoot a if you shoot a nice buck you usually never forget that if you you know when you're successful with any kind of bow no matter what kind of animal it is usually you're you're excited and you don't forget that bears and and animals like that is maybe a step up I mean it's just something a little more a little more challenging a little there's definitely a little more adrenaline push I can imagine there would be you know what's funny
2: is my wife got that feeling before we ever even saw a bear she uh, was she was sitting in the blind with me I talked her into it I'm like babe I'm going to Maine we'll see the coast I'll take you to, to Niagara Falls we'll go through we'll go through Boston whatever you want to do on the way up well it'll make it a vacation so we do all that it's fun we get to we get to bear camp and we go in the first night and every twig leaf crunch squirrel chipmunk whatever she's like oh lord like freaking out and i'm like sweetheart if you hear it coming it's probably not a bear yeah and uh and so then the next day next next hunt rolls around we're headed out to hunt she's like i think i'm just gonna stay here at the at the camp at the camp (laughs) i'm like are you serious you come all this way we drove you know 2400 miles i'm like you're gonna sit here while while we go out and she's like yeah i'm not going back out there It's yeah i found that the
3: the noisiest thing i when i was in a tree stand whitetail hunting this year the noisiest thing in that entire area was squirrels <laughs> those things sound like a herd of elk when they're just rumble, running, rummaging through the leaves Yep. so so grizzlies that's the one thing you'd hunt and what it, what's the next hunt that you have coming up
0: well we're getting ready to wind down our whitetail season winds up here i think the end of next week it goes out and then i'm uh try to go down to texas and and do some a little bit of odd hunting slash guiding um we got a i got a couple guys that i go down and help out um, to do some scotty campbell of Topo texas outfitters runs a odd hunt down there in the davis mountains that's just it's, just it's a vacation i mean i just love going down there nice. you know it's it's warm to get out of the bed it's a true you know when you think of Texas, Texas is a big state and there's a lot of diversity, but when you get down there in that Davis Mountains area, it's it is it's just fun to be down there. I mean it's all high desert and it's shoot, you know, hunting and ch- chasing them audad with a bow is a tough it is it is tough. I mean those audad are a serious challenge for any archery if you take it to traditional archery, it's very challenging i mean yeah. i've not hunted i've hunted a lot of different animals a lot of times you're hunting animals and it's you know you're dealing with one animal two animals you're not dealing with 20, 20. i mean and when yeah. you, you killed deal,
2: a tanker last year didn't you
0: yeah i shot a, I shot a nice dad last year i was down there and and uh it was sometimes the best things come when you don't plan them you know if you you go out and you know i'm sure there's a ton of guys have killed a ton of deer and you listen to them tell the story and they're like well i wasn't gonna go out tonight i wasn't yeah i was thinking i would just sleep in or this that and the other or whatever and they go out and just that's the way it happens that's and, cool and i've had a bunch of hunts that have turned out and that hunt specifically was i had went out to we were hunting hard and we were actually hunting on the ranch we were elk hunting and i shot an elk early on in the hunt and then scotty shot one a couple of days later and we were just war i mean we were both pretty tired from skinning and packing and just getting everything taken care of and i had ended up i hadn't shot a ton of javelina and i there was a lot of javelina on this ranch so i thought i'd get up the next morning and just walk up the ranch road and see if i could find a javelina and when i was looking for the javelina i had seen a couple ewes up on the kind of up on the mountains and uh, so i just thought i'd go up there after the muse and when i got up there i couldn't find the use that i was after i'd spotted them and it went over the backside where I couldn't see them and when I got up there I just couldn't get them relocated so when I got up there I just started working the rim rock and uh, just kind of peeking over trying to catch them a lot of times those when the sun comes up they head up to the we'll get right up next to the rim rock or the where the cliffs you know they'll be pretty cliffy and there's usually oh small trees and stuff and rocks and they'll get tucked up into that right up next to the edge of the the rim rock there and i just kind of worked that along and i would get out to the edge of it and just kind of glass down below me trying to find you know awdad that were bedded up in them rocks and and i was up there for about an hour and a half too it was like i don't know maybe eight ten o'clock in the morning eight nine o'clock in the morning i started doing that about I wanna say it was about nine thirty I had peeked over and found this like all I could see was the was the rump, you know, just it was a bedded audad, and and I was looking for more because usually they're in groups or groups of you know, 20, 30 awdads, so where you find one you'd find more. Well That's a
3: lot of eyes.
0: It is. Eyes it's and a lot of noses. A lot of eyes. And the day before Scotty had said to me, he says he says, you know, he says those I was asking him about the Rams kind of how they acted and he's hunted them for i mean he is knows a ton about our dad i mean he's hunted them for years and extremely knowledgeable so i was talking to him and i i remembered him telling me that he says you know he says those he says you see those sheep those big rams and he says they'll be in a group of of three you know three or four you'll see a group of three or four rams and and they'll be nice ones he says you get a group of one or two and he says those are usually the biggest ones he says those old old rams are pretty yeah pretty solitary animals and he said they'll just kind of he says you'll see the biggest ones hanging around either totally by themselves or else hanging around with their buddy and that's exactly what this was i when i peeked over and i saw him bedded there i i felt like it was a ram i couldn't really see his his head or horns or anything like as like that and so i backed out And when i got i kind of had marked a spot and i came in right over like the top of him i could look down over the cliff and i could see him down there and all i could see was a uh, was the very very tape his rump of him and when he'd move his head he'd shake the tree and i so i was in a great spot i mean i literally was sitting over him at about 15 yards i mean it was straight down but i mean i'm i i was i was right on him i just needed him to move and
3: is that crazy you're 15 yards and you still can't see couldn't
0: see couldn't see him All i could see was i'd see the bush move that he was laying under every now and then and you know you'd hear the leaves you'd hear him you know turning his head you know moving the branches and the leaves that move around and i never i never i I mean i knew it was an odd dad didn't know how big it was didn't know what it was had a good idea it was a was a ram and uh, and i never did i mean i scanned the whole area down there you know be kind of under all the rocks and in all the likely spots and man i never could could come up with anything else so i waited there and about five o'clock that night he stood up on a rock and and he started eating and when he was eating on the bush he was looking straight up at me like he stood up on that rock and he was nibbling all uh, he was grazing oh. the bush that i was i was literally like as i was looking out down through that bush he was looking straight up at me mm-hmm. and he wasn't i mean i'm not saying he was looking at me but he was eating it looked like he would look it appeared yeah. that he's looking right at me but
3: that's but he ended, up,
0: he ended up stepping out, and when he stepped out, it was just no quite like It was he was a monster. I mean, just a, the biggest, biggest sheep I'd ever seen. Wow. And I saw some good sheep down there, but this one was really a good one.
3: And he was just up there by himself,
0: just totally solo. I mean, he was absolutely by himself. I mean, he was an old, old. I mean, those sheep as sheep, you know they age differently than deer and I mean a five-year-old deer six-year-old deer that's an old deer well yeah. you, to get those big sheep you're 11 12 okay. 12 years old so
2: it's part of my fascination with them like it's it's crazy to think and bears especially going going back to bears you know 20 year old bear I mean that it's lived a lot a, a life it's seen a lot of things heard a lot of things smelt a lot of things like deer yeah you know you're talking big six seven bears sheep I mean it gets so much older it just It becomes so much more like mind-blowing to me
0: well the first grizzly bear i shot when they pulled it they pulled a tooth in british columbia and you got to check them in and get them sealed and have the fishing game tag them and get your you know get all your paperwork done and when i did that they pulled the tooth and when they pulled the tooth they a lot of states and a lot of places when they do that they'll send you a little you know five by seven card just telling you well, basically uh, you know the sheep was this old and this like they'll give you a look he'll give you a ton of information but they will give you the usually the age of the animal and the grizzly bear that i shot the very first one in 2003 i remembered getting that card back and they had aged that bear at 17 years old wow, wow that's... but you're right that is that is a long time for you know especially if you're used to whitetail and stuff
3: like that yeah i mean yeah you don't look at a 17 year old bear and say "Ah, let's give him another year
2: me and me and jason we really like to shoot the whitetails that are you know two years maybe two and a half three tender. yeah tender tender tails.
0: <laughs> well and there's nothing wrong i mean there's nothing wrong with shooting those deer i mean i've shot a lot of them myself and if you're putting them in the freezer that's the one to yeah you know those are the ones to put in the put in the freezer for sure
2: you know going back to you said uh when you least expect it you know i'm, I'm sure you experienced it too um that like december really warm three four weeks of de- two or three weeks of december and uh i had already filled my buck tag in kansas so and it was so hot it was like 80 degrees 85 degrees but my kid my oldest kid was like dad let's go hunt let's go hunt and so i'm like well yeah i'll take my recurve maybe a doe will come in and we we'll, will smoker and uh, so not only did a doe come in um, we ended up seeing like 40 deer and I saw like three shooters and I'm like good Lord it was just one of those nights like that you never expect something good to happen and and you know I don't know what was going on that night um, but it was just insane the movement we saw but it, it, it always happens on those days where you you know quote unquote don't expect anything to happen
0: well and that's I I killed a grizzly grizzly bear that was literally last day last night just i mean i i didn't think i was going to get it done i mean it was a last evening we went out we went to a totally new spot and but that's kind of been my experience is when it's gonna it happens and it usually happens really quick i mean you can go out and sit in a stand all season long and all of a sudden you're putting your tag on a deer i mean it's it can literally happen that quick i mean when mm-hmm. you and kind of when you least expect it um it's kind of what i've found i mean there's a ton of stories of guys go out and stop and have lunch and they're having lunch one minute and two seconds later they're back to hunting so yeah, i mean yeah. it can literally happen that quick
2: jason you ready for the big question we do have one question that we oh, ask there's everybody one question
3: so what is one item when you when you're headed out bear hunting or whitetail or when you're headed up on the mountain or out in the woods, what's one maybe non traditional item that you like to take with you? Non traditional. What
2: yeah. Like not a, binoculars or a knife. Everybody's got those. Yeah, everybody's
3: got a knife, but something that might be a little but bit But not different. everybody
2: has a pack of Reese's in their back pocket.
0: I don't know if I've really got I don't really have an eye I, kind of grab the essentials and head out the door i don't have any uh i do have hunting gear that's that that i don't usually hunt without like my you know i've got some hunting gear that i just always want to have with me just because i you know it's like my lucky tab or my lucky arm guard or okay something i've spent a lot of time with like but i mean they're pretty much
3: so well, lucky arm guard
0: yeah lucky arm guard okay. you know a tab that i've you know got really good and broke in is just but I don't know. I don't really have a. I don't have a Cuban cigar stuck in my stuck in my okay. pack for. That's what think, uh,
2: that's what old, uh, that's what Michael Waddell told us. He said mm-hmm. I've always got two cigars, yeah. one for me, one for my cameraman. So if I kill one, we've got them there.
0: Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, I don't carry that in there for yeah. sure. All right, well, we're gonna go with Lucky Guard.
2: I like it. We'll, we'll pop that on the list now. Before we before we cut this off, though, we've got to give Chris a minute. Selway Archery, <laughs> one of our great corporate partners. Oh yeah. Um, you designed or came up with a quiver, um, the Grayling quiver. Tell us about that.
0: Well, Bearhead had a spring arm quiver that they had made for several years, and I I believe they made it from, you know, in the the 50s, they had some versions of it that were metal, um, like a metal hood and um it was they were brown and then they switched over probably late 60s i'm not exactly sure but from like the late 60s up through the late 80s they had a spring up so a version of a spring arm quiver and there was a hood that that had the old vintage bear logo on it and i always i always liked that quiver i didn't it, it was a little bit noisier didn't exactly hold the arrows where i liked it so i took one of those and talked to the guys at selway and i've my relationship with selway is i've i've used their product pretty much since 1991 like i've been running selway quivers so you've used so, selway
2: quivers longer than i've been alive chris
0: well that's uh so I don't know if that <laughs> makes you young or makes Selway Quivers high quality quivers, but high quality quivers for sure. <laughs> yeah, I and I both. just
2: have both a little of both. Yeah.
0: Well, I, um. So as far as the um, as far as the hood went, that old vintage look and just kind of that bare look, I I love that. The g- components for me were a little noisier and didn't just didn't quite. I didn't like the noise and just kind of the way it held the arrows to the bow and where they're they were located but and again i bought and bought selway quivers back in the early night and that's strictly what i had used i mean just had used the, the leather hooded slide on version and i mean along with my lucky arm guard and tab i had my lucky cellway quiver. So, quiver so it's kind of all three items but I, right. I i never had them fail i never had any never had a issue with them i mean literally the i had a quiver that i ran for 15 years like i've I probably i've still got it like yeah. literally it is
2: just change the foam out and keep going
0: yeah <laughs> put new foam in it and it's been wet and I know Drew had said to me one time, "Send it back. We'll we'll recolor it for you. We'll dress it up." And I'm like, "No, just leave it the way it is. I mean, it just had that that worn look, and and I just didn't, I just liked it.
3: You know? That hard-earned patina.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly what it was. And using them that long, once I, I I ended up getting a went to Bear, and and they were gracious enough to. I allow me to get a licensing deal to remake the hood, so I remade went and remade them as exact as I could with the materials I had available to me. And in my mind, the material I'm using to mold these hoods is is better than than the originals. Super I think, durable. I super. think it's super. Yeah, it's extremely durable. It's extremely tough. Um, and so. I do that and uh, mold up the, the or mold the hoods and then print them and then I send them off to Selway, and Selway basically puts all their hardware on them and will make up. I mean they've got the the molds and all the the capability to make all the mounting brackets and and such because they've been doing it for years. I mean yeah. literally that there's so it's it's a bare hood attached to. Cellway quiver or Cellway components that have been around for numerous years and have been in my mind have been rock solid yeah. so the both of them together it's like you got the high quality parts to to make the quiver and then uh, kind of the nostalgic look of the the old bear hood very cool so yeah we got we the the original ones were the grayling green i mean bear was I don't know whether, I think Fred Bear must have, his favorite color must have been green. You <laughs> see he, a lot of that
3: color in yeah, Bear stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of bows, a lot of bow limbs, a lot of bow handles that, that Bear did have always kind of had green in it. So I, we started out and we did the, the, the green, there was a ton of, of uh, you know, I, I kind of, thought that there would be a ton of demand for it and there was we, we we did very well with the with the green and then last year we came out with the brown one which is equally as good and or equally as it's the same hood that the green ones were it's just the brown color bear never made i mean it's a i guess it's kind of a a new color it's not a traditional bear color and we did some in black and now they've come out with the new the camo mag riser so they've got the brought the mag riser back and they have their own uh um licensed camo that old bear fred bear fred camo, bear camo yeah, yeah that they brought back and we're in the process of trying to get some of those dipped and made up and and we've got a few prototypes and we've, we've done a few and they're they're super cool too
3: like i just, can't wait for those yeah just I can't super wait for cool. those. Yeah, Dylan's a big fan of
2: the... I love Fred that Fredbear Fred camo. camo, man. I love that camo. And uh, and it would look killer on that bow, which, I mean, obviously is why you created it. So,
3: Well, that's good. Well, I'll tell you what, we sure appreciate you spending some... I know it's a busy week with, uh, with the show going on, but really appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about bow hunting and, and grizzly bears. And it's, you know, when we first started this, I didn't have a lot, you know, it just bear hunting wasn't really on my radar but the more guests that we talk to that just love bear they hunting, love it. the more it moves up my list i gotta tell you it's every time we talked to when we talked to john and some of these other guys it's, it's it's you know jim willems mentioned that so it's it's nice to uh to be able to expand span the horizons a little bit but we sure appreciate taking some time with us here at the show
0: well i appreciate you asking me i really do
3: absolutely our pleasure definitely well everybody thanks for listening
1: and we will catch you again next week and thanks to chris for being here